It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Yeah, well, here we go again, folks, and uh, and I'm flying solo in the studio. Rich is traveling, so um, but I have a great guest, and you're going to enjoy hearing from him a lot. Uh, my guest is Greg Jackson. Now, Greg is a nationally best-selling author of several books. We'll ask him about them. And he's a former radio host on WRKO in Boston and KDAR in Los Angeles. Uh, he's an accomplished speaker. Anyway, he's just a wonderful guy. And uh, he's written for the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Times, Human Events. And the book he has written is dedicated to his nine-year-old son, Jake. They live in Denver, Colorado, Greg and his wife, Annie. Anyway, uh, as I uh, am getting older and older, <laughs> you start thinking back over your life. What's the most important thing? What's it all about? What can you share? What can you do with what God has given you to press on into the next generations? And when I saw this book, I thought, if this isn't a great Christmas item— for everyone, for young parents, and for grandparents, and for great-grandparents. And frankly, I think it's a great book for teenagers to read and think carefully about. The book is called 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. Isn't that an interesting title? The Simple American Truths About Life family, and faith. Does that cover the waterfront, folks? And this book is such an easy, such an easy read. It's, uh, let's see, it's 80-some pages, and a very good type, very good type, very, very easy to read, but does it ever encapsulate uh, everything that the, the cover would imply? So, Greg, it's nice to have you on The Complete Story with me, because you have written a book that really kind of covers the waterfront. Well, Dick, it's a pleasure uh, to be back with you, and I appreciate, really, really appreciate your kind words. So encouraging to hear that. And, and you're right. I mean, life is short in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, that's what happened to me a couple of years ago was that we were cleaning. My wife and I were down in the basement. We were cleaning out our some things and looking in the safe. We have a safe down there, and I just it thought to me, it was like, the, the Lord, you know, placed on my heart, you know, you have these material possessions in the safe, but what do you, what do you have if you die early, if, you know, if, that you could leave as a keepsake for your, for your, for your family? Well, you know, I guess, what can you best do with what you do have that the Lord has given you to make the most of it? And of course, what you've covered in your book absolutely covers it. If life isn't about life, and family and faith. Now, those are the three; those are the three legs on the stool of life, the stool of a person's existence, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, you know, at the we, we the, you know the Bible says that we you know we come into this earth naked, we die naked. We don't bring any of our goodies, our toys with us. <laughs> you know. So, what is our what is our legacy? And 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 that's really what it, what I wanted to leave with my son, especially in this day and age. Addicted, and I'm sure your listeners would agree. I mean, these kids are being bombarded 
with negative indoctrination, with all sorts of lies and deceit from the evil one, whether it's in school or in the culture, the media, entertainment, virtually every realm of society is bombarding our children, our kids, with lies and deception to make them think as the world thinks. And we know what the Bible says, that Satan rules. He's the, he's the ruler of this earth. Of yeah. God will vanquish him. The Lord already defeated him on the cross and will vanquish him when he returns for the second time. But I thought if, if there's ever a time when this generation, I don't even know what you call them, Dick, the snowflake generation, the, uh, what generation these kids are called, but the younger children and youth and young adults and kids in college, they need, I believe, something that they can grasp onto and understand the simple truths. That's why I call it the simple truths. We, we make the simple overly complex, but these yeah. are simple truths rooted in the scriptures that will provide a foundation for these kids so that they won't be deceived. Yeah, well, have that solid foundation. It seems as though your, your book is covering the simple truths that's rooted in truth. Now, you keep mentioning this current generation, but you go all the way back through history, go all the way back through the Bible, and these same things apply. How can you teach your family about life and family and faith? Isn't that what it what was Abraham's job? Isn't that what every person's job is down through the ages and well as now? My word, I think if there's any big difference now is parents tend not to think about that, and they turn it over to the government. They turn it over to the school system. By the way, that's a good way to get a kid's head screwed up. Uh, they turn it over to everybody, even the, even the church, except themselves. And God gave the children to the parents, and then by virtue of that, the grandparents, and then even the great-grandparents, that these truths about life and family and faith should go down through history. Isn't that, isn't that what you've encapsulated here? Well, you've articulated it so well, Dick, and I, I would agree. I mean, the first form of government that God created was the natural human family. And then, of course, civil government, and then corporately as the body of believers, as the ecclesias, the called out ones, the church. But the first one created was the family. And as moms and dads, it's our primary duty to, according to the scriptures, to be the chief and primary moral instructors of, of our ch ch children's uh, spiritual upbringing, their moral and spiritual upbringing. And you're, you're right, Dick. We've outsourced this for the past couple of generations. You know, there's a lot of parents, they send their kids to these humanist indoctrination centers known as public schools. I call them Marxist madrasas because that's what they do. They indoctrinate these children with leftist, communist, atheistic, humanistic ideas. Well, no, 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 no. Tell me this. Let's just pause here for a minute. What is it that you would call, see, you're a learned person. I'm, I just know that that gravity pulls and the rain falls and the sun shines. What is it you would call when they'll take a child in, in school, in grade school and in junior high and start to confuse that child about who they are and whether they go into the boys' room or the girls' room. I mean, that's so basic. Why on earth do they start screwing up the kids first when they're trying to do something terrible to the whole culture? Well, I think it's a form of abuse, 
it's a, it, you know that might sound hard. Well, maybe maybe it, it ultimately is abuse, but I think it's a form of use. U S E. They use our children, who are yeah. very soft putty, to uh, to shape and mold and and um, and break down, and so on and so forth. I mean, why mess with the kids? And yet the parents are permitting it. Yeah, and and I think some of the parents unwittingly per- permit it, and and others maybe more wittingly permit it. Uh, because of the fact that it's free, or, or at least it's perceived as free, a public school education. They figure they're paying their taxes, they might as well send their kids there. And I think even if they're Christian parents, they think, well, little Johnny's coming with me to church on Sundays, and he gets an hour and a half of instruction at Sunday school, so it'll balance out. But the, the fact of the matter is that even C.F. Potter, who uh, he and, and John Dewey, who uh, developed and, and came up with the public school system in the United States of America, they knew, they've been quoted, I'm going to paraphrase, that what can a Sunday school class for an hour and a half do to compete with 40 hours of indoctrination per week in, he, in the religion of humanism? And it is a religion that your kids, if they're going to public schools, are being taught. It's the religion of humanism, that, that humans are the center of the universe and not God, the very opposite of what generations of Americans learned even in public schools for 300 years of American history, even predating our founding, that God was the center of the universe and that we, as his children, uh, are are here on this earth to glorify him and not the other way around. You know, I'm just looking at the cover of your book now, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. Now, that's kind of an interesting way of putting it because we Mm -hmm. never stop learning. We never stop learning, and we should never stop sharing. Isn't that what a teacher does, is share the knowledge, share the wisdom that they have gleaned? Uh, Even when you're in a classroom about mathematics or history or how to speak the English language properly, isn't that what a teacher is, is sharing what they have learned and studied how to do so? Absolutely. You know the the Shema, which is in the in the Old Testament, in the for, you know in the first five books of the the Old Testament, the Torah. You know it 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 it's, says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one." Uh, and we are to teach our our children. We are to instruct upon them God's enduring laws and commandments. When we when we wake up in the morning, when we walk along the way, it's a continual process that God has called us to as parents, to teach those immutable truths, those God-given truths. And to the extent that we fail to do so, Dick, I would say that uh, that, that has had a direct impact and influence on the moral and spiritual decline in our nation. You know, people talk about all the time, we need revival, we need revival. And of course, I think because Donald Trump has been elected, people falsely think that everything's going to turn rosy, we're going to go back to the 1950s and... And, uh, you know, uh, where, where the chrome was thick and the women were straight. But in, in actuality, uh, it, if there is going to be revival, I believe it has to start in each individual home. It has to start with us. It has to start with us getting right with God and repenting of our own sins and being honest and upfront with our children and making sure that we have fulfilled our obligation to the Lord to again be the the chief primary moral instructor, uh, moral and spiritual instructors of our children's upbringing. And to the degree that we're able to do that, Dick, 
I believe that there's quite a bit of hope for America. You know, one thing that's... It doesn't matter how big the border fences are. It doesn't matter how low the taxes are or how strong our military is if the hearts of the people aren't inclined toward the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose son is Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right, now I'm looking at your book right here, chapter 1. You see, you start out, seek first the kingdom, and then you move on telling the person. You see, I'm looking at it from an old, old guy, and you're a very pretty young fellow. You've been married 17 years to your wife, Annie, and your 9-year-old son, Jake. But in either case, in either case, truth is truth. And this is what you want. See, if a teenager was to read through your book, I think it'd be a wonderful read because they would then be able to explore the things that they should know. And uh, and certainly any parent, any father and mother, because uh, you're, you're, you're also have written this book for boys and girls, for all children and for all people to teach and share before they die. So anyway, you start out here, yeah. seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, my word, that is kind of square one, isn't it? Yeah, and each chapter starts off with the world will tell you. <laughs> uh, and, and so basically this, this book is the opposite of what the world is going to tell you. Yeah, and then chapter two, you go on to say you were yeah. created by God. That That's kind of an enlightening oh, thought for a child to really, to really learn and internalize and know that they were created, and the person who created them was God Almighty. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, Dick. Well, it's not funny. I received a tragic email today from a friend who's their, one of their kids goes to a private school in Massachusetts. It's a very esteemed private school. I'm not going to name it on here. Well, big deal. Is it a good one? You know, because just because it's private, there's a lot of things that are right. private that aren't worth a hoot. Well, God, it used to be a Christian-based education, and now it's a humanist-based education. Yeah. But the long and short of it, Dick, is that this little girl— Kind of like, excuse was, me, though, excuse me, though, it's kind of like churches, you know. You can, go, you can be going to a church that used to be really strict uh, as far as the Bible is concerned and preach the gospel, preach the Bible, take God's Word seriously, and now they don't. So that's kind of the—people have to wake up and check things. Maybe What I was going to say earlier is maybe out of the chaos— that we have around us now, uh, and the discussions back and forth, back and forth, people can wake up and say, listen, I better know for myself. I better figure it out for myself. I better stop allowing other people to do my thinking for me and get right with God and his word and go from there. Is that possible that this, all this chaos that we have around us now is allowing people to stop and think, that one plus one is two, regardless of what somebody else says. Yeah, I believe God is allowing a lot of this chaos and confusion so that people will be brought to their knees and will genuinely want to know the truth. And, you know, the bi biblical truth really isn't God. God made it clear. He's not the author of confusion, but of, of clarity. And if we would only seek his word, incline our hearts toward him, he would give us that clarity and that peace that the Bible says surpasses all understanding. And that's what I sought to do in writing this book for my son, because the world wants to confuse our kids. Like you said, Dick, one and one is three. Uh, you know, they call it new math. <laughs> uh, you know, boys can use the girls' rooms and vice versa. And you, there's 37 different uh, human sexual orientations. When, in fact, we know, Dick, that the Bible says that it, you didn't evolve from apes and monkeys. God created you. 
with a specific plan and purpose, and you're made in His image. We know that that uh, that the Bible is God's truth. It's not a bunch of fables. Uh, we can uh, we can it, it's authoritative. It's inerrant, and we can we can validate it uh, on many levels. We know that you're not basically good. Of course, all our, and these are some of the chapters in the book, Dick, because the, the world tells our kids, oh, little Johnny, you're good, don't worry, everybody's basically good, good-natured, when in actuality the Bible says the exact opposite. Well, you know, you know um, I, I, as I'm smiling here in the studio because chapter 5 you have mm-hmm. titled, You Are Not Basically Good. Now, uh, you see, that, that kind of caught my attention because... On the other hand, it's always nice to say, well, I know, Johnny, you're 10 years old or even 15 years old. You're basically a very good-hearted person, and you're basically a really nice guy, and on and on and on. But the truth is, folks, each and every one of us are not basically good because we were born the way we were born. And that is demonstrated, as I've mentioned before, when a baby cries, it's never because the other baby is hungry. It is only because they are hungry. And a baby, when it wants something, it'll fuss, but not because in the benefit of the other child. These are things you have to learn. We are basically born with a sin nature that is based and wrapped around ourselves alone. Isn't that about it? Yeah, the, you know, Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And he's saying that right in the Bible. Right. So why should we contradict that? Right. And But the problem is that the whole society and culture are telling kids you're basically good, human nature is basically very good, and that's, of course, rooted in Darwinian evolutionary theory, which has been debunked, uh, that says that man is constantly evolving. One of my chapters is actually, you're not evolving, you're devolving. <laughs> Second law of thermodynamics proves that that's the course and nature of, of things. But I think that just this chapter alone, that you are not basically good, what if we all taught our kids that we were born in sin, that, that it's called original sin, it, it, it stems from you know Adam and Eve in the garden, and that this is why we need to be redeemed. This is why we need a Savior. See, the world would, there would be a lot more revival. There That's would exactly be a lot right. uh, more righteousness in our society and goodness in our society if the generation that is growing up right now, or a couple of generations, would just realize this one simple concept, which is that we're born in sin, and that Jesus Christ came and died for the sins of of all mankind 2,000 years ago, and that by placing our faith in Him, we could be redeemed from our sin, and we could be granted eternal life in heaven. See, this is the message of hope. And be free, and be free, and be free from condemnation. Christ died because he loved us to redeem us and free us. Isn't that a wonderful word? F-R-E-E, to free us from condemnation. So it really is a liberating thing, isn't it? And then the other chapter here you have, i got to move along, but you have this other chapter 6, your life began at conception. Now, the world didn't begin the day you were born or at conception. Sometimes a person is born thinking the world began the day they were born. But that's not true at all. But their life began at the moment of conception. And if you could teach your children that, they certainly would never have a temptation or a thought about abortion. Isn't that true? 
Absolutely. It's, it's the most sacred right we as human beings possess. And the devil has gone after redefining what it means to be born, to be alive, to be a human person. And, of course, we've seen the consequences of that in our society 60 million uh, abortions later. You know, and, and in actuality, the, the, the scriptures say, God says, For you form my inward parts, the psalmist says. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So God knew us even before we were born. He knew us from the beginning of, uh, even before creation. How wonderful a concept to know that our God is so awesome that he formed every part of us in our mother's womb. And what if our children grew up knowing that? I believe that they, we would be promoting a culture of life and generations of those who would respect the most yeah. sacred rights that God imbues his creation. Well, you would suppose a Supreme Court justice would be able to understand that. It's pretty simple. But I am troubled a lot by preachers who say they preach the Bible, but they don't read the Bible or study the Bible or believe the Bible, or they wouldn't have a problem with that. Now, on, on chapter 16, uh, you have entitled it Judge Righteously. Explain that. Well, the world, Dick, tells us, what are they always telling us? Don't judge. Who are you to judge? Well, I write in the book, and it's a very short chapter. The world says we should never judge other people, but God says to judge righteously. Well, we're never to judge hypocritically by jumping to conclusions about people based on their outward appearance only. We are commanded to judge people by their fruit, i.e., by what they say and do. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment, yeah. Jesus says in John seven twenty four. Would you say the negative of that is do not be judgmental, but make a clean judgment and do it righteously? Absolutely. In 1 Corinthians 2, uh, uh, verse 15, it says, How many things ought you to judge, you ask? Well, God's Word tells us that the spiritual man judges all things, 1 Corinthians two fifteen. And that, of course, leads into the choosing of our friends. Friends, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So I wanted my son to know when I wrote the book, Dick, choose your friends wisely, judge them based on their behavior, not hypocritically, but we make judgments thousands times daily. And to teach your children not to make judgments about other people based on their actions and behaviors is, again, I think, a form of abuse, yeah. telling them not to use the brain that God has given them. Yeah. You know, uh, a parent... What do you think, Dick? A pa well, a parent tends to, when they're looking at their children, to use rose-colored glasses. And I have always said, if you want to really see your youngster, either your son or your daughter, look at their friends. That'll be the best reflection of a true reflection of what you of what your child is is involving themselves with and who they're hanging around with. Uh, birds of a feather flock together, and on and on and on. So if you want to really see your children uh, in truth, then take off your rose-colored glasses and check out the friends. That's a pretty easy way to, to figure. Now, the other thing, you move on quickly, though, to say, forgive as you have been forgiven. Isn't that a truth that's so easy for us to overlook? Absolutely. You know, I think... I think the world and, and the humanist education system and what the world teaches, and, and we see it right now, Dick, with you know, all this race-based uh, discussions that we're having and racism and, and, and how racist America is. And, of course, 
you'd think that with our first quote-unquote black president, we wouldn't have any of these issues over the past eight years, but there's never been a time when people have been more divided. And yet, what the Bible teaches is that there's only one human race. We all came from Adam and Eve originally, and that while there are different people uh, groups and skin colors, we're all part of the same human race, and that the problem isn't uh, different, different races not getting along. The problem is sin. And when we get to the very root of the problem and realize that we're sinners, we're born in sin, and we need a Savior, and when we come to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He transforms our heart. He gives us a new heart. Yeah. He gives us a new spirit. And when we've, and that's what happened to me, by the way, as a Jewish believer, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on your show, in 2001, right before 9-11, when I was forgiven of all of my sins, heard the gospel for the first time, received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, He changed my heart. He, and, 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 and so when we're forgiven, we must never for, forget God, that God forgave us in that single act of forgiveness, or that thing, single act of, of atoning sacrifice on the cross 2,000 years ago, freed us. And, and, and when we have that, we have everything. And when we have that, Dick, now we can really love other people. We can really extend grace and forgiveness to other people. Why? Because God first loved us. Yeah, you're right. If, you know, you're getting, you're getting, you're coming to life, man. I'm enjoying this. Well, you know let, why I am, Dick? Because I know that the time is short. I know that that everything that we're seeing around the world. I don't know if the Lord's going to tarry when He's going to return, but I sense that it's going to be soon. And I sense that the most important thing that we can do as believers is to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the answer to everything that ails you. Yeah, and but if you're you listening see, to this show, if thing. you're listening to this show and you're saved, then you then you have everything that there is to have. Stop being fearful. Share the gospel with your family members and friends because time is drawing yeah. short and pray that the Holy Spirit would give you those opportunities. And if you're not saved, May today be the day of salvation for you. And by the way, that's why this book is so great, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. The last chapter, I saved the best to last, Dick, which is entitled The Most Important Thing in This Life is Where You Will Spend Eternity. Yeah. And that's really why I wrote the book, because I well, want people to know the good news. And also, and also, your children are the only thing you can take to heaven with you. And the people that you share Christ with... You see, all of those things, this is what a man does with his life. This is what a woman does with his life. This is what a human being does with his life. They take people to heaven with them by sharing the good news of the gospel uh, with them. Now, Greg Jackson, tell us where people can get a copy of your book because it is about life. It's about family. It's about faith. And these are the things you have listed here in these various chapters that we should teach our children before we die, which we surely will. Absolutely. Where can they get the book? I appreciate the opportunity. People can go to Amazon. It's probably the easiest way. We're in our sixth printing. Uh, it's It's been hugely popular with Bible study groups. And by the way, it's written for children, but it's simple enough that even adults can understand it because we tend to complicate things. And uh, people can go on Amazon, look up 40 things to teach your children before you die. Check out, look inside, check out the table of contents. See if it's, you know, something that you might be interested in. I, but I can almost guarantee you this book oh, is a blessing. I mean, you're covering the waterfront here. Chapter 31, God has defined right mm. from wrong. People are always going through life. And the children, you know, what is right and what is wrong? Well, God has defined it. And you put a whole chapter on that. 
What a wonderful thing for a youngster to know. What a wonderful thing for a child, for a parent, a grandparent, or a great-grandparent to teach the children before they die. Absolutely. Your book, give us now where they can get a copy. Because there's even a page here where you can write in the book who it's from and who you're giving it to and the date. What a wonderful Christmas present. I cannot imagine anyone in your family that wouldn't benefit from this book. Tell us now again where they can get it. I appreciate it, Dick. It's so encouraging to hear you say that. I, I, I uh, have been a longtime admirer and fan of yours and um, really, really appreciate the time with you. Again, people can go to Amazon. Uh, they can go to my website, Greg Jackson, G-R-E-G-G, two G's, jackson.com, if they, they want to get it there. Or they can just, for the simple, okay. easiest way is to get to get it on Amazon. And it's really easy, folks. That it blesses your, your, your listeners. I really do. Oh, my word, yes. My 40 things to teach your children before you die. Isn't that wonderful? Can I add one more thing, Dick? Sure, quickly. I've had a lot of people give it to their friends, family members, maybe who would never open up the Bible, but it's short enough where you have a brother or sister or family member. Uh, this could lead them uh, to faith. Yeah. It, this is it, chapter it, it, 25 right here. As well. Chapter 25, Thanksgiving, Christmas, mm-hmm. and Easter are about much more than turkey, presents, and chocolate eggs. That alone is just a wonderful thing to discuss with your family at this time of year. This is Dick Bott with his chapter, The Complete Story is a Public Service, and I'll see you later. 